I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Miss Apex iRacing Podcast, which I believe is the only iRacing podcast that focuses on everything from a hobbyist point of view. Most of the other iRacing podcasts I've heard talk about series, and they talk about all the drivers in the series as if they're like international and famous, and they're just going, oh, and uh, Derek Hoggins there, he just had this really fantastic performance, and you, know, you don't know who Derek Hoggins is. How do you think uh, Janet Mayweather will be able to stack up? No one cares. We want to get faster at eye racing because frankly, sim racing is the only thing that brings us any kind of joy whatsoever. Am I right, Brad Philpot? You are, you're half right. There, there are some other joys, but sim racing is certainly a uh, <laughs> moderately affordable and easily accessible one. Yeah, so that's what we want to do here. We want to get faster, and I'm, I'm all in now. I was talking to somebody about the progression of gear, because somebody were, has had a friend who had a G29, what's, what's the, the Logitech? The Logitech G29, and they were saying, should I go jump in straight with a direct drive wheel? And I said, like, no, 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 no. The G29 is perfectly good to get you going. But um, I've, yeah, I think three years I've been at this hobby now, and I've, I've definitely reached golf levels of obsession with the kit. I'm maxed out now. Yeah, I, I also feel totally maxed out, really, with kit. Um, I, I don't um, aspire to have anything different to what I currently have at the moment, unless something better comes along. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have super-duper kit. And approaching a big milestone in your I rating. Oh, I really hope so, because... I've been at a similar point to this lots of times and then the I rating has dropped. But yeah, so what you're alluding to is that I'm I'm on the I'm on the downward slope towards the landing point of 7K. I feel like I'm on the home stretch <laughs> and I'm just 100 I rating, or as I like to think of it, about five race wins away from 7,000. Why is 7,000 important? It's just a milestone. It's okay. something that it's something that if I see someone else with 7K, I would consider them really good at iRacing. It's such a hard thing to get to, and I want to be considered in that same bracket. Ah, so it's just a nice kudos thing. Yeah, it is. It doesn't get me anything in particular, although the higher the iRating, the easier it will be to get into the top split of things like the upcoming kind of official Le Mans 24 Hours, which, unlike the one we did last weekend, will be based on iRating in order to get you into each split. Ah, okay, don't worry. We'll circle back to Le Mans in, in a second. But it is interesting, that kudos and wanting to wear your your iRating on your sleeve in the karting suit that was very generously bought for me by all our patrons. You all had a chip in um, and in suggestions of what to put on my patches. And what did you give me there? C499. I don't remember, yeah. but it was funny. So the the joke being that you're rubbish because you're a C license, but you're 499 because you don't take any risks and you're slow and sensible. But that's funny. But I am now, Brad, I'm exactly as good as you because I've also got an A license. I'm really pleased that you finally managed to get an A license. So <laughs> hopefully you'll now keep it. Um, <laughs> and it is just about safety and you're a yeah. safe driver. Yeah. Clean races are fast races. Yeah, normally. I, I certainly aspire to always have the highest safety rating, not because I care about safety rating, but just because it means you're having incident-free races. And it gives you a bit of leeway to to play with the off-tracks when necessary. I um, 
I, I, I never achieved my task of getting the automatic promotion because F3, F3 happens to you a lot. But when you get the A license, all of a sudden you're at like 2.4 or something. It resets your, your safety rating to something very low and you start panicking. Like if you go below two, is that when you lose it automatically? You know what? I, I honestly have no idea. It's not normally a danger for me and I've just right. not thought about it in a while so i don't know well i suddenly had to start thinking oh my gosh safety is like a factor and we're firing straight into the new f3 season at watkins Glen, and so every contact i was like panicking but it has kind of gently gone up so i think i'm nudging towards three now so i should be safe but the important takeaway from all of that is that i have an a license and i'm exactly as good as you now of, of which i assume there will be no argument brilliant uh, sam levine says you guys are having fun while racing i'm usually in the fetal position afterwards we've started doing this on a live stream so sam's joining us in the live stream you do have to remember sometimes that you are doing it for fun it can cause quite a lot of stress and when we're on discord and we all swarm together at least one person on the discord is going to have a nightmare and you can hear everybody on their 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 waves of getting fed up when someone's getting really fed up with iRacing because they're having crash after crash and everyone's trying to like talk them down no it's going to be okay don't worry you'll have a great result around the corner and they're going no i don't want to do it anymore it's a stupid game and i hate it and i hate everything in life i've been in that position so many times normally when there's equipment problems when you've got niggling i had a usb problem about two weeks ago where it didn't matter what i did I'd get this this kind of weird stutter in game. And I knew it wasn't the hardware itself. I knew it wasn't my graphics card not being good enough, or my processor or anything like that, because there's no reason, unless, unless they were broken, that that should cause an issue. And I was always getting a solid frame rate in the, in the frames per second box. And I, I located the fault um, to a, a broken USB cable. And, but that nearly tipped me over the edge. I was nearly throwing my VR headset out the window at that point, and, and I hated iRacing. Yeah, you have to remember, I'm doing this as my leisure time and i try and say to myself before every race i try and say to myself you are doing this for fun whatever happens even if you get binned out you're going to treat it as a practice session and you're not going to worry and you're not going to go to the pits and get on game chat and tell that person that they are uh, a butthead but i did it so i i've kind of developed a, a polite ish passive aggressive tone when trying to talk to people uh, on the voice chat, I really try and avoid having a, a, a shout at them and, you know, just calling them out or calling them names. But I, I will wait until the end and say, okay, so just as a note, car number 13, that is not how to be a good backmarker. If you're going to race the leaders, please try and get fast enough to be at the front of the race rather than being lapped and trying to put me off the track. You know, I'll, I'll just be, I try not to, to be at a point where I could get in trouble for it. Why am I hearing point? Chris Stevens's voice? Uh, car 37, just a quick note, uh, that that is not how one should behave. So, uh, you know, as you know, I ban myself from, I mute the chat while driving, but if I go to the pits, I can then speak on the voice chat. And uh, I really wanted to behave, behave myself because Mr. Rubens Barrichello was in our F3 race, as he sometimes is. That thrill doesn't get old. So Barrichello and Alonso seem to be on quite a lot at the moment. You go, blimey can actually just be doing an F3 race with Rubens Barrichello, the person who's... Has he done the most races ever? Or the second now? Second most races ever in F1. So that's a thrill. But somebody uh, just picked a random breaking point into Turn 1 at Watkins Glen. I went into the back of them, and then they made sure fully, like Hamilton in Barcelona 2016, fully made sure that he also collected me on the way out. And then I ended up getting on the voice chat going, uh, maybe you shouldn't do the races before you've decided on your breaking points and then i came away just going i oh, just turn the game chat off completely spanners what are you doing you know actually the most satisfying the most satisfying interactions off track tend to be when when you actually apologize for a thing when you admit your own fault i'm not saying that that was your fault in that situation but when i have done a thing that was my fault and i've watched the replay back and confirmed my suspicions I found it really refreshing to to message that person privately on the forum and, you know, just be yeah. completely honest and upfront and say, I'm really sorry for ruining your race. Don't hold it against me. Hope to see you on track soon. Something like that. And then you, you tend to get quite a positive response back. And I think that that's a, that always feels quite nice. I never really have a, a warm glow after telling someone off. No. And I think the reason you can have that warm glow if you are polite is because there is a community and an emotional investment 
that comes from the financial investment of being on a subscription service as well. I think, you know, the bottom line is these are not people who've paid for a £5 game at GameStop secondhand and are just going to crash into you. People treat this as a hobby, which is wonderful. And another aspect of that subscription model is the protest system. And I successfully used the protest system for the first time. And I've had all my previous protests rejected. But on this occasion, it's Watkins Glen. You know how everyone goes wide at turn one. So I was in the middle of the track. Someone went wide, as is normal, but came back on, hit the curb, a little bit out of control, knocked into the back end of me. And I had wonky steering for 20 laps. Wonky steering and two laps, uh, two seconds a lap down. And, you know, when that happens immediately, you know you're not going to pit and you've just got 20 rubbish laps where the car can't turn left. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a nightmare. I hate that. I had a, a 12-hour version of that last weekend. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, well, before we get to Le Mans, apparently that it's like there's a head steward who handles all the protests. I'm imagining he's got a bit of a team as well. But I am really, really impressed with how quickly protests are getting turned around now. It seems to be within 24 hours you get an answer. Uh, well, you, you don't get a yes or no. There's two formats of reply. One is, hey, look accidents happen don't worry about it you know here's how you can make it up don't worry you get drop rounds you're going to be okay and then the other answer is the other racer has been informed of this incident which we all take to mean that it's been upheld and he's had some kind of repercussion i've never had a penalty though do you, what do they do do they do they ban you from officials for a bit or or what i've never had one either actually um i, I think i've had a warning before um, when someone's obviously protested me for something a long time ago, but uh, you certainly can get bans. I don't know exactly how it works, whether they ban you from the entire service or just from entering official races, but I, I protested someone recently and had a similar, mm. the other person has been notified of yeah. the decision. So I and think then that I noticed means, that they, yeah. they weren't on any races for yeah. the next week. <laughs> Good. And I want to check whether this guy, because it was, oh, it was so annoying. Are you ready to talk about the Formula Renault 2.0 Swarm Championship ending race at Imola? that we had about three or four seasons ago when we were swarming, where I can't believe you didn't get protested. Weren't you, you were fighting for the title and then you ended up closing the gap on somebody on the straight. Uh, it was the, it was the final race of the season. It was the final strength of field race. So the final yeah. race that you could potentially get enough points to make a difference in the championship. And you were because, live streaming this as well, which uh, was glorious. I, was, I believe I was live streaming it and, and my championship rival, um, whose name was Greg Davin. He was in the race as well. We've been inseparable all season. Whichever one of us won this race was going to was going to win yeah. the championship. And I believe he had a lead on me in the championship. So I, I definitely had to beat him. I couldn't finish mm. behind him. And Danny Henney decided to come along and, and throw a spanner in the works by being really quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it, yeah, if I remember correctly, it was the final lap and it was a kind of win it or bin it moment yeah. Danny Henney was going to beat me for the win which would mean I wouldn't have enough points in the championship and although I wasn't deliberately dirty in hindsight it was really dirty yeah, I just yeah. drove him clean off the track <laughs> we both kind of crashed but I think I crashed across the finish line yeah. and I, I won the race and won the championship but yeah that was certainly protest worthy if it hadn't have been Danny if it had been a, a member of the public yes that didn't know me I forgot it was a friend of ours so that that explains it I'm gonna have to find that clip now and clip it out that was glorious Schumacher-esque I think there, Brad. So yeah. yeah, I've I've never I've never been protested, but the chat room's saying that it can be a week's race ban or it can be just a like a warning or something um something like that. Uh let's give uh some props to one of our crewmates. You wanted to compliment Alex Jeansy Van Jean and his live stream. Yeah, Alex ran his first I think it's his first Formula three point five live streamed event last night. Um, and it's at Hockenheim this week. I've done a couple of races there. It seems to suit the cars quite well. And Alex streamed oh, the whole thing. He, sorry, go on. No, it's new, isn't it? Hockenheim is new. Uh, I've had Hockenheim for a year or so, I think. Uh, oh. I've done quite quite a lot of races there. I thought it was um, new for some reason. Sorry. Um, it it's really does suit the high the high powered, high speed, downforce laden single seaters. Um, and anyway, Alex qualified somewhere in the mid teens. He he got a decent start and managed to avoid a load of carnage. And I was sat on the sofa watching with, with Becca, my other half, really enjoying Alex's driving. And although he, he wasn't the, the absolute fastest, he was respectably fast and consistent and raced really well. In, in particular, when choosing when to defend, when to attack, how to do those things, 
he did a really, really good job. And, uh, and it came down to the wire, the final lap. He moved up to something like, I can't remember. He was, he was better than 10th place, which was a very good I rating gain for him. He was getting something like mm. 39 I rating and he was, he was overtaken. And I think probably most of us watching thought that's probably it. You know, this faster driver has passed him, but he didn't give up. He hounded him, repassed him, defended cleanly through the final stadium complex and, and got the position. So well done, Alex. And I believe he's cut together what he has modestly called a driving masterclass video of the attacking and defending. So go to YouTube and search for Alex Van Gene, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. I think that's the only Van Gene in the world. It's a completely made up surname. Uh, but go and check out Alex's attacking and defending masterclass in the Formula 3.5. All right, tell me about last weekend. You um, you said earlier there's two Le Mans. So there's one coming up and there's one just gone. What's the difference between them? Yeah, so we went into a bit of detail last week explaining about how there wasn't an official yeah. uh, Le Mans 24-hour special event on iRacing because of the whole um, rights issue with R Factor 2 and the, and the um, ACO. Anyway, last weekend, the Majors 24 happened and coming up in the future, there is a an official race, but it's part of a championship, which I think is the VRS 24-hour series, which happens to have a round at Le Mans, which right. will effectively operate just like <laughs> an official iRacing Le Mans. That's a nice workaround, yeah. Um, I only found that out quite recently, but we did the majors one last weekend, which was run brilliantly, I have to say. It was so professionally um, dealt with from start to finish. The officials were great, and we were we were lucky enough to qualify for the top split. It's my first time in, in a big iRacing event in the top split. And that was all done on, on lap time, average lap time of your team. We managed to sneak in. I think we were oh, in about in- 17th position, something like that, maybe 19th. Because you had to qualify for it. So it's not just done by iRating. You had to yeah, all put you, in your quality you had time. a week of setting lap times, basically. And we, we managed to get an average time that put us, I'm pretty sure it was 19th out of 24 in our class. So we, we kind of snuck in near the back of the class. But we ended up having a great run through the race. For the first 12 hours, we moved up through the field, avoided all the incidents. And and as with lots of 24-hour races in the real world and and in the sim world, if you can just stay out of trouble, you'll be the ones gaining positions all the time. And we got all the way up to about sixth place at one point uh, until whilst running eighth because of the pit stop cycling in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., um, my my teammate had a massive crash with uh, an LMP1 car, which had crashed immediately in front of him. So it was almost unavoidable, really. And I, we I then saw, had, yeah, I saw that crash. The LMP1 car hit the wall and then basically just spun back out onto the track. And there's no way you can predict how they're going to bounce off a wall, really. Yeah, if it had rotated very slightly less, we would have snuck past with no damage. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't. We had a, a very big crash, half an hour of repairs and, you know, obviously dropped a lot of laps back. But we decided to just p- kind of push on as if we were still fighting for a win. Mm. Um, and we managed to get back up to somewhere respectable. I think 11th is where we finished, which was which was fine. You know, we we qualified 19th with the pre-qualifying. So anywhere higher than that was was pretty good. Uh, and it, but the main yeah. story behind all this is it was awesome fun. It was really, really good fun. I streamed the whole thing, had great audience interaction. And it was just, it was so close to being like a real world 24-hour endurance race where anything can happen and bad stuff happens to other cars, bad stuff happens to your car, but it's all about this team spirit and just just trying to do your best all the way through. It was awesome. And so if you, you last week we were talking about can you at your level ever get any joy out of iRacing <laughs> would, would like a top five top six finish in the top split of the majors of I don't know how many splits that is would that have given you joy yeah it would I mean even to be honest even finishing just outside the top 10 gave gave me joy pushing to try and get the best possible result gave me joy like the whole the whole process over two weeks of learning the car, getting used to the track, working on the setup, getting getting fast enough to actually qualify and then making it through each, each of the stints, the, the weather changing, the we- the um, time of day changing. It was all really enjoyable. And, um, you know, being on a, a constant Discord channel with my teammates, just like it was real team yeah. radio, it was all great. Do you know how many splits there were? Roughly. I think there was something like eight, eight oh, or okay. nine. So quite a lot. So as you know, one of my ambitions in F3 is to be regularly running in the top split because I, I always get this horrible feeling like in split two and split three, no matter how well you do, obviously I'd celebrate a podium or a win if I ever got there. Uh, it sort of almost doesn't matter a bit because you're kind of like, oh, well, I was in the second and third split. When I've been running in the top splits, even though I've been woefully outpaced, finishing 10th has felt like, yeah, but I properly finished 10th out of the whole thing. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly my mindset as well. We wanted to get into top split because once you're in, anything can happen. The worst you're going to be is, in this example, 24th out of hundreds of teams. I think there are 165 teams in our class alone. So um, it, just anything higher is then an achievement and you can only do that by being in that in race. So, but but that feels like felt. you say, that that's the real race. And it, I feel like top split is like everything else is qualifying for the top split trying to get enough points to be in the the top split. Like I'm nowhere near good enough to be that competitive, but over that I've made that my little my, my little task, uh, my little goal uh, because when I was in I was in a race you sorry, lost myself a little bit because there's a good question. Let's go to this good question. I think it is from Danny actually. He says um I was so tense watching Brad's stream. How do you ever get a clean lap when being constantly overtaken? So you weren't in the you were the slowest class. Yeah, we were the GTEs. And actually, it's my first time doing a race like this in the sim world as the slowest class. I've certainly raced in the slowest class in carts and in cars. But I found it, that was one of the easiest things, was being passed all the time. It was it was a totally separate skill, and you could really use that to your advantage against your competitors by allowing the faster classes through at the right time and taking advantage of them and and not allowing them through at other times. There were a couple of examples where I could see an LMP2 coming. I was fighting in a train of GTs at the front of a queue and couldn't get away from them because the slipstream effect is so strong. But I knew if I could just allow this LMP2 to pass <laughs> my competitors, but not pass me before this particular braking zone, that that would just give us enough of a, a separation that I might be able to get a break on my competitors. And and it was the way you kind of hovered in the middle of the track to make it look like you weren't really allowing the car through. <laughs> so they think twice about it rather than just staying on the racing line, giving them an easy route through. If they'd still gone for it, you had enough space and time to to not have a crash. But you can just act in a way that gives them enough of a question mark that they just don't go for it this time. And it's those little subtleties that I absolutely loved. Uh, but Danny's right. It's hard to get a you know, a completely clear lap, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, the point I was distracting myself from earlier was when you said uh, that you were fighting as if you were still fighting for a, a win uh, or still fighting for a good position. Did you find yourself then going down the pack? Were you losing places with that damage? So, yes, although we'd already lost most of the places we could lose with the repair time itself. So we actually did then start to eke forward as other people had problems and as we just didn't really make many mistakes from that point forwards. But yeah, we we had probably two seconds worth of damage, which isn't, isn't the end of the world at Le Mans. It's a long track, but still it's a, it's a bit of a wounder when you've had a perfect car yeah. for 12 hours and you know you've got a car which is good enough to fight for potentially a podium to knowing for a fact that the best you can do is maybe a top 10 if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that race where I had that wonky damage and two seconds a lap uh, uh, that I was losing, I'd actually qualified in fifth. So uh, I was out ahead. I think I was in, in fourth at one point. And then everybody's just catching me on the straights. And so I'm like, right, I'm just going to fight. I'm just going to fight. I'm going to claw on, see if I can hang on to a top 10. And then some of our teammates swarmed through behind me. So I think I had Colin, Colton, and who else was behind me? I'll, I'll insult them by forgetting. Uh, oh, and Richard behind me as well. And so I had to give them an easy pass to let them through. So that was a bit heartbreaking. But I thought, I'll fight and I'll claw. And I managed to hang on to 12. And I thought, okay, in context, 12 is not bad. You're going to have a positive eye rating. You've, you've kept your safety rating. Well done. And then I looked at the results sheet at the end of the race. 13th place was six laps down. And then it was like seven laps. Basically, half the field had wiped themselves out on lap one. And I'd done all that fighting for absolutely nothing because I could have just, I could have parked it for four laps and still finished 12. It, it is always generally a good idea to just keep going yeah. in iRacing. If you care at all about your iRating or, or your safety rating, although having said that, if your car's broken enough that you're making mistakes and getting off tracks, maybe it isn't good for your safety rating. But certainly for your iRating, just keep going as long as you are able to because something can still happen to someone. Uh, certainly my attitude. Alex Van Jean, who we talked about earlier, did his his stint, his Le Mans 24 from your house, from another room, brought his sim rig round to your house for a play date. How did his weekend go? So it, it, I was, that was really cool for a start, just having Alex here and, and having a, another rig in another room and another driver in another race, just racing 
kind of with us meeting occasionally for a beer in the middle in the hallway. Did your partners it, think it, you were so cool? So Alex's partner begrudgingly let him go. <laughs> so she looked after the kids. Uh, my my other half was on holiday um, uh, in Cornwall nice. anyway. So it didn't affect me. It was great. We had the house to ourselves. Um, and Alex just set up camp, basically. He, he had all of his kit in that room. Um, and he had a great internet connection. We plugged him into to an ethernet connection. So he was, he was hardwired in. He had great speed. He could have streamed it really. So for next time, maybe we will do that. But unfortunately for him, he never got to race because something happened to his car. I think they were, they were taken out by, um, by another errant car that outbreak themselves. So all that effort and Alex didn't even actually race, but it was still really cool. Just having someone here to experience the event, it made it feel even more like a big mm. event. But the event started at like 10 a.m. and his first stint wasn't uh, until 9 p.m. When when did when did he... So you already knew he was going to have all day without a stint, but when did his car actually crash? I, I think it was after a few hours, yeah. three or four hours. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think Brian Boomsma did their first stint and then, then Kyle got in. I think maybe Danny did a stint. So Alex was... It sounds like Alex must have been the slowest driver because they're putting him on fourth. Um, but I, I don't know. He, he was a little bit gutted. But yeah. also, he wasn't that gutted because we had nice food in there. I lost you there, Brad. You had nice food in the house and it, a good time was had by all. Yeah, he wasn't that gutted. He, okay. he was, we even had a conversation before the race where he said to me, I don't think I'm going to get to drive. Just because, <laughs> you know, 24-hour races, yeah. especially in an LMP1, are so random. Something can happen. And it did. And so he was prepared for it, and we had pizza and beer and stuff. And so it's a different expectation, a isn't it, to the sprint race format? Okay, let's get into a bit of uh, Brad Philpot style masterclass. Help me out here, Brad. I I think I've been improving, but I got to Watkins Glen, and it's a very particular kind of course. Lovely, flowing like the carousel uh, at the top of the hill. You you can sort of hold your breath. Go, am I going to make it? And it's it's nice but it doesn't have any of the features that suit me. It's got no big stops, which is where I can sometimes get past my midfield peers. It's all about speed control, pointing, getting the the nose just pointing right, you know, picking your speed rather than just taking speed off and hanging on. And just none of those corners suit me because they all just feel like those ease it onto the apex, off and go. So like, is that what we say when we mean point and squirt tracks? So, uh, yeah, point and squirt track is one normally where you get the car stopped, get it rotated, and then just accelerate straight oh, off the okay. corner. This is kind of the opposite of a point and squirt. This is this is more of a flowing, smooth, carrying the speed into the corners kind of a track. And uh, funnily enough, I love this circuit. And it's for the all the reasons that you don't <laughs> like it. Okay. This is, this is all about trailing the brakes in, keeping a high minimum speed, um, having car control at a very high speed and being confident enough that the car can kind of float around mid corner and you can still get a fast exit. I, I absolutely love Watkins Glen and I love the the cambers in some of the corners as well and the slip streaming down the long straight. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's just so counterintuitive when you're going into one of these corners and you don't have to take all the speed off straight away you know you're just taking some of the speed off and then it's all about balancing the car and pointing it i think that's i mean obviously you're a much better racing driver than i than i would ever purport to be but that level of skill needed for that kind of corner i I don't know why i struggle with that much more than say you know a heavy braking hairpin where i can possibly get it stopped more than you know the the equivalent noob version of me that prefers watkins Glen. i think maybe this is exposing a bit more of, of your particular driving style. We, we seem to be uncovering Ooh, things yeah. that you are good at and things you like and dislike uh, episode by episode. But this is, this is a little, little bit less formulaic. You can't say, break at this point, turn in this much. This is the exact angle you need to be at. This yes. is a bit more, you need to be adapting to things in real time because you're never going to totally perfectly judge the same entry speed or line every single time yeah. um, when it's this high speed and when, when you have to carry this much speed and when maybe there's other cars around you, uh, you know, even wind direction can affect you quite a lot when you're going this fast through this kind of corner. So, so with a big stop, I can see the braking zone. I can see my marker. I can say, right, brake at the, at the 50 and I can give absolutely everything to get it stopped. And if I don't get it stopped for whatever reason, I either overshoot the apex or I have to spend a bit more time on the brakes. But, with those kind of corners, you can't have a you can't have the equivalent of a braking marker for the speed you need to be at certain points. And that I think that's you're right. I'm a bit paint by numbers. I think, have I really just got this far by just remembering what to do like a hundred times a lap? I think I think that's the I think that's the reality of where you know that might be the hard limit of my skill. This relies a little bit more on the the feel element, doesn't mm. it? Of just sensing how fast you're going. This is when someone says what's your breaking point? Some people will say, I break at the, the yeah. 50 meter board. Or whatever. Yes, me. Other people will say, I don't know. I just break when it feels right. And that's, that's maybe a little bit more of what you need to have for yeah. this circuit. Uh, you need to, you need to be able to compromise the, in the right areas in a way that it might be a bit easier when you've got a typical hairpin where like you were saying, you know, you just jump on the brakes, get it stopped, get it turned. You can see everything. Yeah. You can see the angle that you want to be coming out of the corner at. And then away you go onto the next one. This track, the corners flow into one another a little bit more. And anyway, that's why I love it. So should I, should I, so at the moment, like say the hundred is my breaking point and I'll go, right, when I'm on cold tires, just a little bit before it, when I'm nice and warm and confident, just a little bit after it. And then I just do kind of a little bit monkey see monkey do. So if one lap I will go, well, no, I couldn't quite get it stopped there. The next time I will, I know I'm just logging 18 corners as I go around going, right, no, a little bit less, a little bit more. Should I? sort of abandon that breaking point and just try and get like a feel like just try and aim for the apex and and feel my way to these corners just as an experiment to give me some brake feel what you just explained there that is not a bad technique at all i I certainly employ (laughs) i employ that technique a lot of the time you know you have you maybe have a, a marker that you're aware of even if you're not breaking at that marker you're going a little bit before, a little bit after, or a little mm. bit closer to it, that kind of thing. That is, that's definitely a good technique. Um, but I, I think for you in particular, it might be good just to, maybe even just as an experiment, yeah. just try and rely on feel. Just yeah. go in as quick as you feel you can. And then if it works, try and go in a bit quicker, you know, rather than looking for a, a physical marker. Maybe not in the race. Well, maybe no, 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 in no. Uh, maybe not in the race. Maybe I'll try that with some practice laps. Uh, Pedro Irustra Barbosa, that is an excellent name in the live chat, says the bus stop on the Glen is, and then it's an emoji with a heart face. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. The bus stop at Watkins Glen is the devil. 
Like it's impossible. I, if there was a possible way to drive that correctly, Brad, I would love it. But it's absolutely impossible. You essentially have to brake, uh, both not brake and brake loads. I don't know. It's I just you either crash or stop. That's in my so <laughs> that's a shame. So you're using the version of the track that has the bus yes, stop. Yeah, yeah. See, for me, that actually ruins the flow of the track because it's Thank the you. following corner, Thank the you. following downhill right hander. <laughs> that I love when you approach it from a very high speed, having had some slipstream battling. I don't like Watkins Glen with the bus stop in it. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. The boot bit is good. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you say that because the, the, the swarm was entirely split. Some people saying they loved it and other people saying this just ruins, it ruined the experience for me. And yeah, I only did the swarm. I'm not doing anymore. I find that the reason the bus stop is is a negative for me is that in order to in order to be really fast through there and not lose any time it's very high risk yes and and that isn't the case the rest the rest of the track if you remove the bus stop you can go in slightly too quick you know you can be really ballsy and the the penalty is you will lose a bit of lap time Mm -hmm. you won't be off on the grass being spat towards the barrier um i like the fact that when that's not there it flows more and you can just go a bit deep that's fine if the other person you're racing against gets more of an advantage then you just kind of resume battle at the next corner. Pedro's unsubscribed. But yeah, it is also a big carnage zone, especially in like lap one, uh, lap two. So before we leave Watkins Glen, I had a question. Somebody said that with that kind of draggy braking that we need for these kind of corners that we've been talking about, they like to put the brake bias back a little bit. Does that help? Yeah, so so if you're needing to trail the brakes, if you've got effectively a corner which is shaped that allows you to extend the braking zone slightly into the corner or a long way into the corner where you're not braking hard because the minimum speed you're needing to achieve isn't isn't um, drastically lower than the speed on the straight or, mm-hmm. so, or isn't that much lower in a very short period. Obviously, a hairpin, yeah. if the minimum speed's 30 miles per hour, you're approaching at 130, there's a very significant difference between end of straight speed and apex speed. Uh, a track like Watkins Glen, a lot of the corners you're not having to slow down very quickly um, mm-hmm. on your approach to the apex. It's more of a gradual deceleration. So trailing the brakes is is an effective method because you're extending the straight into the braking zone, into the corner, sorry. Um, and therefore having the brake bias slightly more rearward will be good because you're not having to apply lots of pressure on the brakes because you're not slowing down really quickly. So there's less danger of, of um, locking. locking the rear. So yeah. you can kind of afford to... You can afford to have that bias a little bit more rearward to help you get the nose in, help you kind of get the car dragged in towards the apex. It's just, but I mean, this is totally dependent on what your problem is. If you're finding yeah. you're locking the rears, then you want to move the brake bias forwards. Yeah. If you're finding you're locking the fronts, you want to move it rear. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is this is more about performance than avoiding locking. I think here. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, avoiding locking is part of the performance, mm. but but yeah, you you generally will have a slightly more rearward bias when you're trail braking, when you're doing a lot of trail braking, to try and avoid risking locking the fronts. Because effectively, you're braking while steering a lot of the time. Oh, if you've I got see. a track where you're doing lots you. of trail braking, there's a lot of this crossover of steering input and braking input. To try and reduce the chance of having a momentary lockup, you, you move the bias rearwards. Because you're not braking hard, you can get away with that. So, if so, you're having to nail the brakes super hard, you'd risk, obviously, spinning around. So uh, Mark in the chat room, who is northern, says, problem... Problem with the rearward brake bias at Watkins is the uphill, the left-hander that kills you. So can you switch between, like, do you ever have any tracks where you change the brake bias between corners? Yeah, I don't do it a lot, if I'm honest, but it's certainly I have a, a button or a, a dial on the steering wheel in front of me now marked bias. It's very easily accessible, even in the VR. It's, you know, it's, it's the top left switch for me. And, um, and if I want to, I can change it quickly, but I don't tend to do that. Don't normally do that over a lap. I'll normally okay. find find the, the one you like and stick with but it. I assume we're talking about the the uphill kind of ninety degree yeah, yeah, yeah. right hander, two thirds of the way through the lap. Where like you're that. very likely to lose the rear on entry. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. my my advice for that corner, just in case anyone cares, is turn in pretty early. Use the the extra grippy concrete um, strip that's nearer to the apex, um, and and use that to your advantage to get the car rotated and, and drive up the hill with good traction. Oh, now I want to apply that. This is the problem with this pod. I always want to then jump into the seat and try out all the things we've been talking about. Um, 
and and not help at all out with the school runs and stuff. So it's a good job I'm in a soundproof shed because I might just go. Oh, it was Brad's fault. He just went. He was he was talking about brake bias for too long. Uh, what well, I wasn't eye racing. Then what are those weird VR marks around your eyes? No, stop! Don't look at me. I'm not going to get away with it. I'm not going to get away with it, am I? Uh, brilliant. So, yeah, I might I might give it a go because what I find is that um, I I can move the brake bias forward more than other people in my ability group so does that mean is that a reflection on my style i think maybe it is because as you already explained you like to just kind of go get the car stopped Dump. get it turned get on the power and that means you've probably got a relatively less crossover with the steering and braking than perhaps other people do i reckon that's a big part of why you don't like this track because mm. it's it really does involve a lot of that blending um, and and you don't you don't really like doing that. If you can get away with more front bias, that tends to suggest you're probably braking harder in a straight line and then uh, coming off okay. the brakes as you turn. Um, I generally prefer a bit more of slightly more rearward bias than some of my peers. Uh, I, I tend to quite like trailing the brakes in. So so I'm sure that goes hand in hand. Okay, so I should just get better at blending and trailing the brakes instead of having the sticking plaster of just shoving my bias forward so I can stop on a sixpence. Just keep it as as a note in your mind to mm. experiment with there's an area of potential performance there that you might not be exploiting entirely at the moment roger that right last topic we've been trying to talk about this for weeks but then we got uh sent down rat holes of mini direct drive wheels that i can't afford uh so i haven't I haven't caved i'm not ordering that direct drive wheel at the moment uh, definitely the jury will be out on that Ooh, although logitech seems to have come out with a an answer to it as well Oh, I haven't seen that. Tell me. Ah, I haven't got enough details to talk about it. We'll, we'll definitely we'll look into it next week. Logitech have got a new wheel coming out as well. So teamwork. Now, we're not necessarily talking about the swarm, say, for example, like uh, we have. We had four cars all together in split two uh, in the eight o'clock race um, on Wednesday. And it was it was lovely because we as we were catching someone, we could kind of team up on on these, these poor unsuspecting drivers where I would kind of go, right, I'll crowd him. I'll crowd him a little bit and that'll let you get away or get through or whatever. Um, and we actually we probably ruined a couple of people's races that were trying to come through this swarm of silver and red cars going, what the hell's going on here? And why do I find myself boxed in every point? Uh, but you're more talking about teamwork where you can kind of come up, come up with a, like a psychic agreement with somebody on track. Kind of, uh, although not actually psychic because you tend to be in a discord chat with them. So I think we first brought this up as a topic a while ago and never really got around to talking about it. And the instance that I was talking about was a race where my friend that I'm often racing with, friend and teammate actually in the Butler Powell motorsport team were in the discord channel and you're effectively in a single seater race with lots of other people who have no idea that you are communicating with each other. So he, uh, I had a, I can't remember what happened. Something happened to me that, that knocked me down the order. Maybe I had a spin. Maybe I don't, can't remember. Maybe I had a really bad start, but um, he was leading the race and there was a car he was battling with in second place. And there was no way on normal pace. If the race played out naturally, there's no way I was going to be able to catch mm. this pair. I was going to finish third, a distant third, and they would be fighting for the win. But we had an agreement, uh, me and my, my friend, that if he could assist me in getting back into the fight, I would let him win the race, even if I led the race at some point. And he agreed. So he basically defended more heavily than he normally would. He slowed the car at the apexes more than he would if he was just racing for himself. That's cool. Which, which gradually, a half a second per lap, brought me back into the fight until I was able to slipstream them. This was at Spa. I dragged past both of them down the Kemmel Strait. We then were in a one-two position and then Barrichello-like, I allowed him back through to take the win before the final lap and we got a one-two. And we got a one-two that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't been communicating on a Discord channel, which no one else had access to. It's not like iRacing are policing this yeah. or listening in. Anybody in any race you're in could be doing this yep. without your knowledge. Yep. Um, and without doing anything illegal, as far as I know, he just drove slightly slower than he could have done. Um that allowed me to to get more points than I would have done. So there we go. That, that's the example we were talking about. Yeah, and this is exactly what we have on a on a weekly basis. So like I had a bit of damage, and I'm like, right, if you're going to get on him, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself as much of a pain in a in the in the ass as I can before the straight, so that you're going to have a toe all the way down that Watkins 
Glenn straight to the horrendous uh, chicane. Um, I don't. I think you are effectively becoming teammates then. And it, wh- where's the line though on what you can and and, and can't do? I, I actually genuinely don't know what the official line is and what you can and can't do in that situation. I think anything, the obvious things are what you can't do. You can't actually take someone out, you know, mm. to benefit your teammate. You can't do anything which is yeah. actually illegal. But I honestly don't think there's any issue with defending hard or driving slightly slower or, you know, legally blocking someone mm. in order to benefit your teammates. It might be very frustrating if you're not that person. If you're the if you're the person losing out in that situation, it would be very, very annoying. But they, they first of all, won't know about it unless you happen to be running the same car colors or streaming. And a lot of the time I have streamed these situations. We had Monza week where teamwork was vital. You know, getting a slipstream from someone was absolutely crucial. And kind of uh, what we do in the Formula 3.5 is even communicate, right, I'm going to burn a DRS now. You get eight DRS uses in the race. So we tend to coordinate them so that we're, you know, if I'm trying to work with a, with a teammate to pull away, we'll use them both on this lap. So we're, you know, we're getting the, the ma- maximum benefit from it um, and not wasting one. Can you see John Cox's comment there in the live chat, Brad? Hello, live chat, by the way. Um, doesn't that make it a bit unrealistic in real racing terms? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a bit unrealistic that I can crash and not get hurt. And it's a bit unrealistic it's not costing me £10,000 a, a yeah. meeting as well. But it's, you're given the limitations of the of the simulation, you're just getting the best out of it you can. Um, it's unrealistic that I'm racing in a, in a fixed single-seater category against people who have worse equipment than me. Um, so that, that shouldn't be the case necessarily no, either. No, so. and... and- there is a great community side of, of racing because Mark's just put in the comment. Uh, he says, I like seeing everyone here in this chat. It reminds me that the best thing about iRacing isn't the winning. It's the friends we make along the way. Now, it's more fun if you win, though. Uh, but yeah, that, that community aspect of being in a Discord chat is, is, is fantastic. And like we've tried to take it to real racing. So had we been able to do our karting events in 2020, 2021, I, I was setting up to have like, providing communications for certain people so you know we had you talking to the commentators halfway around uh, the racetrack as you were overtaking people and like as you were overtaking van jean and just describing what you were doing so that kind of communication could exist but for the will to implement the technology so it's not entirely unrealistic that you're talking to people and it kind of exists in real racing as it is anyway, in a slightly different way. You know, Mercedes can talk to both of their Formula One drivers yeah. and they can tell one of them what the other one's doing. And, you know, in in any team event like that, you can, uh, if there's radio, there is normally the ability for one car to have some communication with the other, yeah. even if it's not directly. Yeah. So uh, when my kids go to a kart track, I use the communication stuff that we use for the Missed Apex events. So all three of us, uh, are talking uh, the whole time, which only gets annoying when my boy has a habit of beatboxing when he's kind of just by himself. So he thinks he's by himself and we're all sitting there. It's all tense on the grid and he's there going, you go, dude, sharp. This race is about to start. And then he'll occasionally forget we're on comms. He'll go around like a hairpin and he'll just go, wee as he accelerates around the hairpin, which is a joy to hear. Just like it's a joy to get your advice, Brad. Uh, you're still streaming and making videos and stuff at Brad Philpot on YouTube. Yeah, so the Le Mans videos from last weekend uh, are all up. Got a decent number of views, happy with that. Next stream will be tomorrow night for the Strength of Field race oh, yeah. in the Formula 3.5 at Hockenheim. Yeah, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I don't have the 3.5, I don't think, but and I don't have Hockenheim either. But Hockenheim is on the F3 calendar, so I might be mm-hmm. tempted to pick that up. Well, Van Jean seems to be really liking it. He's joined us for the first round of this season. And, and as we mentioned earlier, he did well yesterday and he seems to like the car. So may, maybe we can persuade you. Oh, what's round two? Because I'm missing Long Beach because that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't looked at the calendar, right. but most of the races are, are really good tracks. And then comment of the week goes to... Comment of the week. In the chat room from Barry Camp, who says the map community, the Missed Apex podcast community is awesome. And I agree with you, Barry. Uh, if you want to be part of that community, email me spanners at mistapex.net or racecontrol at mistapex.net and you can join our community of racers. We do a few things. We swarm the F3 officials at the moment. Um, plus, we've got a nice big Discord community. You'll make iRacing buddies there. And uh, we also have our own 
missed Apex tournaments. The There is one round coming up in July. It'll be round five of our F3 championship. We've had four fantastic rounds so far. We broadcast them on this channel that we're streaming on now, which is Missed Apex Motorsport on YouTube. So go and catch up with the fantastic production that we've put there for the last four rounds with Chris, Chris and Ellen providing commentary as well. It's a real exciting thing to be involved in and to watch. We're also going to be swarming. That's what we call, you know, our, our, our big attacks on events. We're going to be swarming, I think, the Spa 24 hour, which is, well, it's in July, I think, that one, um, with some GT3 cars. So just to give us all a bit of tin top experience. Will you be live streaming that? I don't know. That's a good point. We'll have to speak to I'd, Uncle Steve, our video guy. I'd watch it if you do, for uh, sure. Well, of course, we'll all be in different splits and stuff, so we'd have to pick who we're going to follow. Me, right? Because I'm the Yeah, I meant, I meant you. Will you personally be live streaming? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, yes, I'm working on my streaming. I'll, I'll, the thing I don't like is the streaming with the VR. People like you and Alex and, and that can have the discipline to keep your head still. Uh, but I, when I've done test runs of me live streaming... My head is all over the place, Brad. I'm like I'm like leaning out of the cockpit. I'm I find that when I turn, I'm leaning in to look at the inside tire to watch it onto the apex, and I'm constantly looking at the relative box. So it's just twitching down, twitching down, twitching down. So I'm working on a way to stream where you can just see my fixed cockpit view. Because iRacing doesn't let you naturally do that, but I think I've found a workaround. So when I figured that out, I'll start streaming my events. Awesome. Follow Brad at Brad Philpot on Twitter, me at Spanners Ready and the show at iRacing Podcast. And tell your friends, please put a link to it in the forums in which you discuss sim racing. Until next time, uh, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Did we get faster? Maybe. I, I got slower. Because I was missing out on practice time. Oh, no. Well, we appreciate your bold sacrifice. But you got our attention. And as a fellow attention whore, I know that that means something to you as well. Yay. Everybody listen to me saying things. That's why presenters exist. Otherwise, you wouldn't. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.